0: You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk,
1: here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, Surprise, Surprise, Surprise! And if you've been alive long enough to remember a guy named Gomer Pyle in the United States Marine Corps, you'll remember that only Gomer Pyle could say it quite the way he said it, and there's no way to even begin to duplicate it. There are a lot of people that say, Well, I don't like surprises, or no more surprises, or there are surprise parties, there are surprise endings to movies and different things. There can be a surprise attack. A surprise can either be the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world, depending on what the surprise is. Now, here's what hit me over the last few days. There are things, and I'd never put it this way in my own heart and mind, but sometimes as you look forward, we forget that God is our Father. And as great as it is to be surprised, there is really nothing quite like surprising someone in a good way. And maybe just to start out today, let me throw this out there. God is on your side. He is not against you. He is for you. There is so much hope. And no matter what you've gone through or what's happened so far in your life, our God is a God of surprises. Now he is never surprised. God is never caught off guard. You're not going to surprise him with anything you say or do he is just not gonna be surprised. I do believe there is great joy in heaven, when we do respond by trusting him, obeying him, praying to him, following him, I think it's unbelievable what happens. And in Luke 15, you look there and it talks about when one sinner repents, that there's joy in the presence of the angel of God over that one sinner who repents. So clearly there's joy, but you're not going to shock God. You're not going to surprise him. But I do think that God gets great joy from watching us and looking ahead and looking out for us. And at some point along the way, say, watch this. And I'm going to do something. I'm going to bless them in a way that they will be completely caught off guard, unawares, almost shocked by. Now think about this. When was the last time you were absolutely flabbergasted? And if you don't know that word, it just means to overwhelm with shock, surprise or wonder, or just dumbfounded. And that means to confound briefly and usually with astonishment. When was the last time in your life by God or anybody else, you were just absolutely flabbergasted, dumbfounded, just surprised. Think about that a minute. One of the things in the scriptures that I think of as a huge surprise, Adam, the first time he saw Eve, talk about a great surprise. There's a Hebrew word that he used that Gomer Powell used a lot, shazam. That is a Hebrew word that, um, that I'm sure Adam must have used when he looked at Eve. Just the astonishment. You've never seen a woman. Every animal on the planet's got a mate. And all of a sudden you go, look what God came up with for me. But then on the flip side of that, the shock, the surprise of Adam and Eve, after they sinned, being removed from the garden, from being able to walk and talk with God in the cool of the day, and what they had known was gone. Sarah, Abraham's wife, who laughed at being told she would get pregnant. The surprise of that, when she actually had a baby boy and was told to name him Laughter, because she had laughed about the whole process. Elizabeth, in the New Testament, told she was gonna get pregnant. John the Baptist, she was barren, she couldn't have a baby. And then John the Baptist, imagine you're in prison for doing what God told you to do. One minute you're in prison breathing, and the next you've been beheaded for doing the right thing, and you're surprised in the presence of God, just like that, over some girl dancing at a party. John the Baptist, obviously surprised. I don't think he expected to die that night in that way. The Virgin Mary with Jesus, no sonogram, but when it turned out to be a boy, I don't think there was any real surprise there. Uh, Not all of us get an angel showing up. You save a ton of money on sonograms if they would. Pretty good chance there was gonna be a baby boy come out of the Virgin Mary. There's a great passage here in Matthew 13, 54. Jesus in his hometown, he had gone back where he came from. In Matthew 13, 54, when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom in these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? They were completely surprised by his wisdom, his miracles, all that he was, all that he did, because they had grown up around this guy watching him. In Mark chapter five, verse 39. There's a ruler in a synagogue named Jairus and they sent to Jesus and His daughter was dying and, um, she died and it was too late. And verse 39, when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? This child's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. And the word overcome by itself means to throw out of position, to displace, to amaze, to astonish. And then the phrase great amazement, the state of one who either owing to the importance or the novelty of an event is thrown into a state of blended fear and wonderment. It blew their mind. This girl, 12 year old girl was dead. If you've ever seen anybody dead, you know, when somebody's dead, they're dead. And Jesus says, no, they ridiculed him. He walks in, speaks to her to get up and she's up. Let me tell you something. It would blow your mind too. You go into shock. It's not possible. And this is just one of the things. Think of the people who were blind that were made to see people who couldn't walk that were healed. Jesus, everywhere he went, it was surprise, surprise, surprise. Because people who had women who had tried doctors and spent everything they had would come to Jesus. They would just touch the hem of his garment and boom, like that, they'd be healed. Lazarus, one of Jesus' best friends, Jesus let him die and then raise him from the dead. What a surprise that he let him die. But then on the other hand, the surprise that he raised him from the dead. And Jesus' death by itself All the disciples knew something was coming. He had told that he would have to suffer. He would die. But you know what? Even when you know somebody, if you've had a family member, a friend, you know they're sick, you know they're going to die, there is still no way to prepare. And when they actually die, you're completely surprised. You go, this can't be happening. And there is a sense of shock. And when Jesus died, they were surprised. Jesus' resurrection. Look at Luke 24 with me. A couple of verses here in Luke. Jesus had been buried you talk about surprise. The Jewish leaders who thought they had gotten him killed and been done with him, they were surprised. The followers of Christ were surprised in a completely different way. But Luke twenty-four twenty-two: yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. They were completely astonished. Jesus returned. Now this is an interesting one. Look at Mark 13, 32. When he comes back again, he was here, he lived, he died, was buried, raised from the dead, was walking and talking, appearing and disappearing for a certain number of days. Then he ascended into heaven, but the scriptures we've talked about recently proclaims that he's gonna come back. Jesus returned. The win of it will be a surprise even to Jesus, which is very funky to even try to figure out this stuff. How can God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit all be God in one, but somehow some information be withheld. Somehow Jesus does not know the exact win. He knows he's coming back, but look at Mark thirteen thirty two. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So Jesus even has a sense of being ready for the surprise of the Father saying, now it's time. The trumpet's going to sound. Go get him. And the joy that there will be for him. For Christians when he returns, it'll be a very pleasant surprise. For non-Christians, it will be a very unpleasant surprise. For all the people that scoffed at God, said he doesn't exist. It's all a bunch of bunk. He's never come. He's never coming back. I don't believe any of it. When he actually shows up, it will be a very unpleasant surprise. Because the truth of the gospel, the reality of what Jesus said, the scripture says, will come to pass. Peter Go to Acts chapter 12. This is one of the great ones. Peter had been arrested. Jesus is gone. The disciples, the church is rolling. Things have kicked in. And Peter's been arrested for preaching the truth. His followers, Christ followers, and the people who love Peter knew Peter were praying for his release. And in Acts 12, 16, now Peter continued knocking. He had gotten out of jail, miraculously had gone to the house where they were praying. And he's outside knocking on the door. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished sometimes God surprises us with the answer to our prayer. We pray, pray, pray. And then all of a sudden he goes, okay, here's what you've been praying for. And we go, what? Well, that's what you've been praying for. And it, why would you be surprised? But we sometimes pray thinking, well, maybe yes, maybe no, maybe he'll come through. And then God literally surprised him here by Peter actually being released from jail. If you go and read in Revelation, and we're not going to take the time to do this, heaven itself is going to be one of the great surprises for Christians. Because if you read the description of heaven, and I know as wonderful it is, you say, well, my mom's going to be there, my dad's going to be there, grandma, and whoever else that's dear to you that's gone on that was a Christian, you kind of wait to see him. Let me tell you something. It'll be great to see him, but there'll be nothing like seeing him, capital H, in all of his glory, seated on a throne, surrounded by the elders by the angels by the martyrs that are under the altar just you think of that picture there is no way there's no way with human minds we can begin to comprehend the surprise the awesomeness of heaven itself no son because he is the light in that place it's just unbelievable to think about what heaven itself will be like in second chronicles chapter 20 we're gonna look at a couple more verses a big lengthy one here Uh, In this passage, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. And the word here for ambush means ambushers in a very interesting phrase. It also means to lie in wait, L-I-E in wait, to lie in wait or liars in wait is the term used for ambushing someone. But God, and it's great stuff here in verse 22, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes. You say, well, how do you fight a battle that way? This stuff works today. When you feel like you are under attack, when you're being besieged on every side and out of nowhere, do what they did. Begin to sing and to praise. And I'm telling you, it provides protection. It is one of the main ways for you to get protection from being attacked. Now look over in Joshua chapter eight. I'm going to take some time today and read you this. This is an amazing story in Joshua chapter eight. And to give you a little background, Joshua is leading the people of God. they have been through the wilderness for 40 years. They've come to the promised land. They've crossed the river. It's time to go in. They've defeated Jericho, but somebody in the battle of Jericho kept some, and this is a word, maybe not the best word now, some booty. There is a better word for that now. Um, There's some spoils from the war. They were not supposed to take anything. A guy hid it in his tent. There was sin in the camp. They went to attack AI and somebody said, ah, we don't need but a few thousand people. Don't get all stirred up about this. We'll go take him. They went to AI and got run out of town by these people. 36 soldiers died. They come with their tail between their legs and go, oh my gosh, what happened? And Joshua's going, God, what are you doing? You said you'd give us this land. What's wrong? And he said, there's sin in the midst. You deal with the sin. I'll take care of you. They discovered who had hidden this stuff in their tent. And then God says, look at what happens in uh, Joshua chapter 8. Let's pick up with Ai again. Now the Lord said to Joshua, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go up to AI. See, I have given into your hand the king of AI, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do it to AI and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. And some people wonder why I get all into this. There's something to me about the Old Testament and war tactics. observe that God himself is the general of all generals and had waves of sending you in. And if you think war is tough, when you've got God on your side and you go to take an enemy and he is giving you direction about how to take a city, it's not even begin to be fair. But the tact here was to lay an ambush for the city behind it. Now here's how it unfolds verse three. So Joshua rose and all the people of war to go up against AI and Joshua chose, look at this 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them saying, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city and it will come about when they come out against us as at the first, then we shall flee before them. And in the first battle they had gone to the city, the people of AI came out and basically ran them off, chased them away from the city. Verse six, for they will come out after us till we have drawn them away from the city, for they will say, they are fleeing before us as at first, therefore we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do. See, I have commanded you. Joshua, therefore, sent them out and they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and AI on the west side of AI. And I love this next phrase. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. And I can't even begin to explain to you. I think there is no way to lead people without being among the people. Stay with the people. Shepherds sleep with their sheep. And here Joshua went off on a hillside in a tent in some fancy place. He was lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people or numbered them, went down kind of to review the troops and went up and he and the elders of Israel before the people to Ai and all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai, so he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. Now watch what happens to this king of Ai, and guys, I'm warning you about this stuff. When you read about these battles, learn something from the mistakes especially the king of Ai. Now it happened when the king of Ai saw it, that the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle. He and all his people at an appointed place before the plain, but he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city and Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by way of the wilderness. So all the people of who were in Ai were called together to pursue them and they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. There was not a man left in AI or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. We get cocky. We get proud. We get confident and say, Oh, well chase him down. Like before you don't stop. You don't think you think I can do this by myself. This King got his whole city destroyed. He got sucked out into a trap because he didn't stop, didn't think, didn't consider what was behind him, around him. And he got killed. You cannot go chasing without thinking about these things. Look at verse 18. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. So those in ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered the city and took it and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. Now you want to talk about surprise, surprise, surprise. This is a nightmare for the king of AI and everybody because they have not only been sucked out and deceived into chasing the people of God into this battle thinking they had already won, overconfident, but they looked behind them, their city, their fortification, the place of protection was gone. They couldn't advance and they couldn't go back. So they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on the pursuers. So all of Joshua and his troops that had been running to pull them out all of a sudden turned around and attacked and all the guys who had burned the city and ambushed from the backside attacked and they were caught in the middle. Now, when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of AI. Then the others came out of the city against them. So they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they struck them down so that they let none of them remain or escape. No matter how wise you are. I think I am, no matter what we do, there are places of vulnerability, a spiritual Achilles heels. You cannot watch everywhere all the time, even standing here looking at you. I have a certain amount of peripheral vision. I can watch ahead of me. I can see people over here and a little bit like as far as right here, reaching out my hands, but everything behind me, I am completely exposed. Anybody could come up behind me and do anything. If I didn't hear them, I could get ambushed from the backside. Now, how do you protect yourself spiritually? If you think you're watching, you think you're prepared, you think you know what's going on, how do you protect your backside spiritually? Look at Isaiah 58. The context of this chapter, if you want to go read it, is fasting and the impact of fasting can have spiritually and physically even. In verse eight, let's go down to Isaiah 58:8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall bring forth speedily. Light, you'll be able to see. Healing shall bring forth speedily. You say, well, I don't know what I think about that. You know what? I wouldn't be criticizing it until you try it. If you're sick, if you got some challenge, you say, God, listen, I want some answers on this. I'm going to try everything I can find in the book. You don't need some newfangled thing. Try the basics. The scripture says your healing shall bring forth speedily. And look at the rest of it. And your righteousness shall go before you. And look at this last phrase, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You want some protection? One of the surefire ways to get it is by prayer and fasting. Who's behind you? It better be God himself because you cannot protect yourself from the backside. In Isaiah 52, 12, for you shall not go out with haste nor go by flight for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Now, I said this earlier, God is never caught by surprise. He knows who you are and he knows where you are. When you know God personally, you can march forward knowing that he covers your insides, your outsides, which includes even your backsides. God is not surprised by our sin, but is astonished that anyone could hear of his love and not respond by faith to his amazing grace. I don't know where you are or what you've been going through or what you've been facing in your life. And you can be watching with all your might straight ahead. God help me. God help me. But you got to make sure you are protected on all sides. I think it's in second Peter where he talks about Satan as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil is out there with his angels, with his plan, ready to pounce on you and take you out. And he is a master of deception of disguise can take you on, take you out in a number of ways. You have got to pay attention. And you have got to be prepared. There are great surprises, I think, coming over the next few months for a lot of people, some of them good and some of them bad. And you can't control a lot of it. Some of the bad ones, I think, you bring on yourself. Some of the good ones, it's just the blessings of God that come out of nowhere but specifically on the area of being surprised, being ambushed, being taken unawares, you have got to pay attention. And more than anything, you cannot just use your common sense. You can't just say, well, I think this, and from the previous battle experience, this is what's going to happen. You have got to stop and ask God every time, do I go? Do I stay? And too many times we get in life situations, things happen to us and we get emotional and we jump in a battle that is not our battle and we react to a situation and get ourselves in all kind of messes because the devil can suck us out into a battle and trap us. Stop, think, pray, find out what God says, trust him, obey him, and you'll be surprised at how things turn out differently. Now, you cannot live this way by yourself. You'll not pull it out by yourself. And I look out here and see eyeballs and faces of people I know who are going through some amazing stuff with husbands, with children, with wives, with moms and dads and friends. And you're getting clobbered in some areas. Be still, know that he is God. And before you move or do anything, make sure that he's in it or you're in a heap of trouble. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first,
0: I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall call us at 855-6 richard or online at richardellistalks.com and now let's get back to richard with a final word
1: on today's show you know the biggest surprise of day for somebody might be you wandered in a place like this somebody gave you a tape you turn on the radio wherever you're listening to this and think man i thought nothing was going to happen And surprise, surprise, surprise of all surprises, something's going on in my heart, something's going on in my head, something's going on inside of me I can't explain. I think God's after me. I finally hear it, I get it, I understand that maybe God does love me and maybe there is a surprise out there for me and it's not all gonna be terrible and maybe this Jesus thing is about me and maybe he did die and he died for me and maybe his blood was shed and it was to pay for my sin and all this crap in my past and in my life. Maybe I don't have to carry this around forever. Maybe this God does love me. Maybe he will forgive me of all this stuff and give me a new heart, a new life, a new beginning. And the biggest surprise of all surprises would be to get a life, an eternal life, an abundant life with God where he lives in you and through you and changes you forever. There's nothing like meeting Jesus and knowing that your forever is covered, your past is covered, your every day is covered because you got somebody covering your backside. It can change just like that. You reach out the hands of your heart and say, God, I've screwed up. I know it. I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I get all this stuff about Jesus living, dying, being buried, raised from the dead. I'm asking you to forgive me. I accept the forgiveness of my sin. I'm asking for this gift of eternal life that I see Jesus bought and paid for. I accept it. Come live in me, through me, change me. Give me a life, a real life, an abundant life where there's no more surprises in the bad way. But there were some great surprises in your word and in this relationship that I'm pursuing and that's ensuing today with you. Thanks for tuning in today
0: to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.